This episode of Super Pulp Science is brought to you by Gear and C, a new book by Claire C. Marshall set in the same universe as Cassian Tonk and Rustin Water. Come to the book launch this Saturday, June 22nd at McNally Robinson at 7 p.m. Attention, citizens. It's time for Super Pulp Science. This is Super Pulp Science, where we talk about how genre gets made. Uh, I am back with my long-suffering co-host, Justin Curry. I'm alive. He is alive, yes. Um, And uh, Dan. Hello. Our producer, (coughs) and also long-suffering co-host. I'm not that suffering that much. You don't suffer. No, it's fine. We're not suffering. Anyway, uh, Justin just got back from Denver. Denver. What's the official name of that show? Uh, Denver Pop Culture convention i saw i saw you posting and i can't remember yeah something like that yeah um and it was good it was really good yeah i had a uh a bigger spot than i thought i did Uh i thought for sure i had just gotten a corner turns out i had a corner and a booth so it was a 10 by 20 denver pop culture con that's it denver pop culture con and um dear listener before you're like how could you not know it's because everybody's shows are similar takes on the same kind of name, Expo, Con, Pop, Show. Yeah. Right? Most people. The only one that is different that I know of has Quest in the name. <laughs> Quest. <laughs> Although there's a Jurassic Quest in town this oh, week no. at the convention center. You can go see animatronic dinosaurs. I think it's actually done now, but it was on this past weekend. Oh. Mm-hmm. So they had the word Quest. How dare they? There's also another Quest somewhere else. I remember. But whatever. It's okay. Do you know the story of, was it Salt Lake? comic-con got sued by san diego because they yeah san yep. diego owns yeah. the name comic-con, comic-con. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and salt lake and went around like at san diego advertising the salt lake comic-con and san diego was like you can't do that it's our name can't advertise at our show like don't and then they kept doing it so they were like warned on more than one occasion Oops. and finally san diego is that a true like, story or just a story from the floor? A story from the floor. I have no the idea. The... No, there's some truth to it. Though. I remember yeah. seeing an article about the, them claiming uh, the Comic-Con thing. That I knew. Because even so. my dad, who is not really like up on comic land, it made the, it made the regular news. Yeah, it did. You know, yeah, yeah. And, and and it's like I mean the, the phrase I think it's specifically comic con, not comic convention. Like a right. comic convention is something that anybody can have, right? right? A convention around comics, that's all it is. Yeah, but, but the, the truncation. Yeah, is that's a that's the. But the thing yeah. is, with with comic con with San Diego, you kind of just already go there. Like most, yeah. I mean, here in Winnipeg we have our comic con, but it's that's not what it's called. Uh, officially, but I think that uh, you know when you think Comic Con, you think San Diego. I'm old enough to remember when photocopies were not called photocopies; they were all Xeroxes. <laughs> it's that same kind of thing. Yes, like mm-hmm. Saran Wrap or, right. or yeah, for sure. Right. Yeah. So the brand gets associated with the product. Yeah, and that's what sure. they were really trying to do. I yep. think is maintain that. Yep. And I guess there's some strength to that, mm. right? Like you don't want uh, like your shattered vector stuff, right? We've had. Um, uh, how would I put this? Uh, conversations with near associates mm-hmm. to, to just say like, this is a style that I'm working on, so don't ape it, right? Please and thanks. Please and thanks, right? And that's a, I think that's a reasonable. It's not unreasonable. You can have other words, but then is Fan Expo? Have they trademarked the Expo part? Mm, uh, you can't trademark Expo. Well, why not? It's short for exposition. Yeah, but. 
Well, I, I don't think they have, because there are a lot of expos out there. Or expedition. Exposition. Exposition. You're yeah. right. Exp which is weird. We go on expeditions to expositions in our jobs. <laughs> okay. Uh, but we got off topic. Denver. Why was Denver. Uh, <sighs> tell me about Denver. I'm just looking at the guests they had there. They had some good guests. Mm -hmm. at, uh, they had uh, Nigel Longbottom. The actor who played Nigel Longbottom in Harry Potter was there, which is awesome. That guy. <laughs> he's so different now. In we saw him at another show. He's like. Big, tall, and muscular. Yeah, that's right. They had a they had a funny uh, uh, <laughs> meme out there with the Harry Potter cast where they showed, uh, I guess it was Ron and uh, and uh, who's the dude that plays um, the blonde kid, the jerky blonde kid. Oh, Malfoy. Malfoy. Yeah, yeah, him. And then they showed, and then they showed he looked like, uh, uh, and then the guy plays Matthew Lewis who plays uh, Longbottom, and they showed them as adults, and Longbottom's clearly the best looking out of them now. Or something. <laughs> he's like ripped. He's in super good shape, and you know, so he's. Come out of his chrysalis, so to speak. And George Takei was there. Mm -hmm. You got you don't get to see any of that though. I don't get to That's see any of that. That's too bad. That's the one well, sometimes drawback of sneak your through the green room. job. Do you really? Well you do. Well I you have. I have. <laughs> Not on purpose. Sometimes I'm invited. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes I'm invited. Uh, one thing that I noticed that I really liked is uh, this was show number five in a row for me. It's been like five weeks. Oh, so yeah, like five you've been cities. Just grinding. I'm, right yeah, now. I'm super excited to be not going anywhere for a little bit. Um, but the last couple of shows have been shows that I've been doing for years, like Ottawa and Calgary and stuff like that. So for anywhere from like five to seven years, people have been seeing me there every year. And so even though a lot of these people are still buying things, it's not as like, it's almost like the, it's a different kind of excitement. Right. And in Denver, I was there once two years ago. So I've oh. been exposed to a very small percentage of that crowd. Right. So your so whole catalog was new to It was, people. yeah. It was like I was a shiny new booth and everybody was excited about everything. And it was just oh, like, it was. that's such a cool feeling, yeah. Yeah, it was yeah. reinvigorating because, yeah, I, I love like the customer loyalty that I've built up at some of these shows, but it was kind of nice to be like brand new again. Well, okay. And there's a side of that too related to you can't help but wonder sometimes as a creative person that has a following, are they doing it now out of habit right. and loyalty or do they genuinely connect with the work in an exciting way? And so when you go to a new place and then you feel that all again, you're like, oh yeah, right. Okay. There mm -hmm. is, yep. you know, I haven't lost it. I'm not <laughs> yesterday's news already. Yeah. Yeah. So that's pretty good. What was the organization like at that show? Who it's runs very... that? Is that a read pop show? No, Denver, I think is its own thing. Denver, Pop culture is just its own company, and it's run very, very well. Um, they do have security at the convention now. A lot of American um, yes. conventions have, like, you have to go through almost like an airport-type right. situation. They check your bags and stuff, but it was all... Smart, I think. They had a lot of lines. Everything was very smooth. We didn't have to, like, wait around for too long. Um, yeah, no, it was organized very, very well. Nothing... Nothing to really Nothing, report there. No, no hot goss from the. Which Denver is, show? yeah, that's what you want, right? Like, well, I don't <laughs> want you to have had a bad experience, but I do want our podcast to be full of, uh, you know, your bad experiences. No. Um, so, did you have any? Um, you traveled. This show you did also by yourself, right? Did all by myself. I probably needed two people at this show. Yeah. So I was going to say, because that's a huge space for one person. It's a big make. space. But I, I was pretty happy with how I organized the booth. It was almost like one table was just display. And you, and then I kind of like, I angled it, it. So people would stand at one booth just looking at everything. And then they'd have to come to the corner to actually talk to me. So yeah, it created a bit of a funnel yeah. effect. Interesting. 
And it was, uh, it's a juried show for the artist alley. So um, similar to like in Seattle, it's very noticeable, like the, the level of artists. It was more so than that. I think more, more fine artists and more traditional artists. Um, oh, cool. The talent at Denver was insane. I don't know really what they're doing differently, but. Yeah, I'd made a concerted effort the last little bit to not do too many shows. I'm just trying to like be in the family zone a little yeah. bit more right now. So watching Justin fly away, um, I did have a little FOMO, but I've been enjoying, I have some projects that I'm working on right now and just being in the studio or being at home or being more available has been interesting. Because I told myself it's what I wanted to do, but now that it's happening and he gets on a plane and goes to <laughs> faraway adventure. You just live, live vicariously through Justin. I'm back yeah, now. That's why I want yeah. the hot cost. Yeah. <laughs> Um, our friend Quirky Licious had, uh, he got a table there and he got his table fairly last minute. He didn't know he was going to be able to do the show. He was able to do the show. And so he just kept bugging the organizers to see if there was a spot available. That's One good. popped open. So I always recommend like it's, um, the power of like dripping on organizers to get politely. into politely. politely. Yeah. Politely. As an organizer, I can <laughs> say, please, please be nice. Yeah. yeah. When you come and come and say, Hey, do you have any tables left? Yeah. But there, there's always a chance is what yeah. I, and I think early on, I never thought there'd ever be a chance, but there's always it's a chance. It's so much easier when, um, somebody does drop out at the last minute to have somebody to be able to right. slot in there. And there's a few people, we've got a bit of a wait list going right now for fan quest cause we are sold out, but I mean, it's so now I feel fine about it because now I know there's at least two or three people who want to jump in if somebody gives up a table, right. which well, is awesome. The, yeah. So for the dear listeners thinking like, well, you know, it's past the value and whatever. What I found I would do is I would let shows know because I I'm uh, I often get in shows last second mm -hmm. just because I have a family schedule. So it's like, no, I don't think I can go. No, I can't go. Oh, I can go. OK, I'm going to try to get in. I will email the organizer just like that, just like a slow mm -hmm. trip. But I will say the deadline up until how late they could let me know. So right up, including the day, like I will say, like, I booked my ticket, but it's transferable. So right up to the day, <laughs> you can let me know whether I can come or not. Right. And yeah. if the answer is no, then I use that flight for something else for yeah. something else. And yeah. It's not a big deal. Right. Um, and I find that that's good for an out-of-town show. Like, if you're trying to organize that, you don't want to be on the hook for flights. Because your flight price doubles or triples mm -hmm. the closer you yeah. get to the date. You tell anyone, I just told you that, and your ass is grass, you're dead, Henderson. Do you understand? Drake was placed beside Cyanide and Happiness were there. Oh, cool. And Cyanide and are Happiness awesome. are, yeah, like, as internet famous as you can get. Yeah. Um, the lines when they're there are usually bonkers. So he only, he had to talk to them once about their line bleeding onto his table. But other than that, they were apparently like very nice to be beside. But I think, yeah, I was wondering how that would affect his sales. I've never been beside somebody with that amount of pull. Right. Well, I've been. Yeah, mm -hmm. I find it good. But I mean, people talk about the, there's this, uh, there's the legend of the skip effect that some people talk about. Uh Chris, uh, what's his company name? It's like Kershak. I want to pronounce it correctly. Kiyosak. Kiyosak. Kershak. How do you spell it? Oh, God. Oh, I'm sorry, Chris. Yeah, but we it's got his last name. name right? It's okay. Kiyosak. Uh, so, but anyway, he, we had a conversation once about this idea of the skip effect, that they don't like being by a big booth because they feel like people arrive spend their money and then they're starry-eyed staring at the thing they just got because they're sort of in that bubble and so they wander away yeah. and so whoever's next door misses out 
they've spent their money in this area yeah. and now it's time to move, move on. on to another area. doesn't matter if there's still neat yeah. things around. I think that's more superstitious uh, yeah. than actual, but I'm sure like, you know, be interesting to, has anybody ever done any studies about this, like consumer behavior at conventions or anything like that? Be interesting but, to uh, know. People try actually tying into that across from me was a booth that, um, we talk about this a lot about presentation versus talent at a booth, right? Like people who are amazing artists but don't really know how to display themselves versus people who are just starting out but they have a huge display. This this booth was, it was a 10 by like 40 foot booth. It was massive and it had all kinds of lights going on. They had um, like, it was like a light show going on and their prints were like not the the best quality of prints but it was so lit up and so vibrant that everybody couldn't help but come and stop yeah and just look um and i was just yeah it was kind of blowing my mind how well that worked just like putting on a light show i've noticed that without much to back it up are bringing their own light setups interesting Mm -hmm. uh i mean corkalicious does that yeah he brings battery packs, like yeah, yeah like laptop battery packs. Yeah, and so for the dear listeners thinking about shows, uh, there's a pretty large cost associated with getting quote-unquote power. They tried to charge s- him for electricity because they saw he had lights and they just assumed he was stealing power. Right. <laughs> so he showed up the one morning and there was like a bill for electricity on his oh booth. God. I love the passive aggressiveness of like just placing the bill there without yeah. actually coming to But he just had batteries. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can get travel batteries now that last a whole day for LED lights. He still, I think, he has to charge them every night like they he can yeah, charge it for the night yeah 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 yeah, yeah. But, huh. yeah. we also have friends who have like frankenstein car batteries that's that's just messy I don't yeah, know yeah people who are driving <laughs> yeah they drive big trailers full of stuff yeah that's uh that's, that's risky that is risky that is risky i um the ink's not dry on it yet but i'm doing a while you were away I was talking with uh, people on our floor here about, so I did this uh, Red Earth thing that had all this projection work in it, and so uh, it led to a conversation with a uh, a media company here, and until I've got, I have a meeting tomorrow, but uh, I may have this uh, fun, like, heritage-related project that I'm working on, which is, like, tangentially not comics, but it's words and pictures together uh, projected in a big space, which to me is, like... It is comics. You know, yeah. it's comics where you don't expect to find them. Yeah. And a lot of fedoras, which is one of my favorite hey. things Always to, like, yeah. to uh, illustrate. Um, anyone familiar with the history of Winnipeg or Manitoba in general and correlates the date can probably figure out. Ah, mm. uh, I see. I see what that is. To. Yep, I know. Um, but uh, so there's that. And then I have a... Um, I'm talking today with a... I don't know if they, I guess they're technically a startup publisher about a project, about putting Arena City in with their stable of projects. So that could be uh, just more stuff that will keep me in the studio and uh, traveling a little bit less. So I'm not sure exactly what my convention schedule is going to look like, but FanQuest is the next show and then San Diego Comic-Con after that. But that one we're going to do, I'm going to go media hunting a little bit. Justin's going to be there holding down the booth and I'm going to go talk to some people that I know in San Diego. Okay, so you guys are going to have a table at, you're having it like a chasing artwork table and yeah. you're doing your stuff as well? Yeah, I'm not going to have all my stuff. I'm going to okay. have only the stuff that I have that's related to the chasing artwork oh, okay. brand. So, so, so all the kids stuff, yeah, yeah. all those books, all those projects. Good, good machine essentially is yeah, what we're talking. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And just, it'll keep the, 
It'll make the conversation a lot cleaner. Yes. Like while my ego says, bring all your stuff too. I'll bring my stuff just as examples. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And uh, what we'll focus on is pushing the books that we have a shared interest in because the art is all connected. So if they, if they like, if I show somebody something and say, hey, come back to the booth and see what else we do, it'll have one unified yeah. you know, brand sort of experience. And I feel like for, for what we're doing in the all ages space, that'll be way more important than being like, hey, hey, I also do other things. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so, so this is your first time as a vendor, at, uh, as an artist vendor? at. Uh, uh, this will be my first time as a vendor San at San Diego. Yeah. And you did it last year, Justin. Yeah. So I did it last year, yeah. second time for yeah. you. Mm -hmm. Exciting. So once you're in, you're in, right? Yeah. You're in yeah. now. That's awesome. And the f One of these days, i got to come down and see you guys there. i got to go. That's yeah. one of my bucket list things is to go to San Diego. Well, the best way to go to San Diego is to know, like, honestly, as someone who went just as an attendee. Yeah. Uh, and now as someone who goes to shows regularly, the better experience if you want to go to a really busy show is to go connected to somebody's booth where you can help out at their booth a little bit, but then you have a vendor pass. So you don't have to wait in that okay. line. You guys need some help? Right, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think I can go this year, but I would love to. And, and our, our mutual friend, Lyndon, who <coughs> loves it when I shout him out on this podcast, um, he will not stop talking about the time he went to San Diego and saw... The infamous Star Wars panel. Oh yeah, where they took everybody across the street to watch a performance of Star Wars orchestra, orchestra music, uh, conducted by John Williams. Right, like, like that like was actually like, John Williams. Yes, was there. yes, yes, and he was there, and he was in that panel in Hall H, and he got to go across the street and watch. Okay, that's so, bucket list for sure. Yeah, he yeah. was able. Well, they can't. It's not going to happen again. Like yeah. when is that ever going to happen again? Yeah. So anyway, that was. But he, yeah, he, he always kind of. Also, dear listener, up, if you ever get a chance to see an orchestra live. Well, it's for sure, chilling. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. Like any, any, even here, Winnipeg Symphony Orchestra is excellent. They did a performance of uh, Star Trek versus Star Wars. Did I talk about that on this podcast? I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. So I went to see that a number a couple months ago, and they have like a, it was a put together by um, the hosts were two friends of mine, the Couch Potatoes, who do a show on CGOB here in Winnipeg. And it was basically Star Wars versus Star Trek, and they're playing different themes from both franchises. And it was really interesting. Uh, the choice of music was really interesting because they choose things based off of uh, partially based off of what's not as expensive as other things like <laughs> right. uh so there was uh, quite a few things there were quite a few themes from like the prequels which are interesting uh which i imagine is not quite as expensive as the main right. stuff but they did have a good selection of both and it was great i mean seeing that perf that music performed live by an orchestra is really there's did they play not, jewel of the fates yes of course yes yeah. that's like the best one it is yeah. mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know ironically from the not best star wars movie but that that piece of music is amazing and the one point that the conductor brought up was that this is music that has um, that has like been the soundtrack for film almost the entire time, uh, the entire run of film. Like it's almost always orchestral music as the score, right? Right. Yeah. So that is like an amazing thing, and, and to see that performed live is awesome. Yeah. So I definitely would recommend that if you haven't. Go to your local um, symphony and see something played live. Who's Mad Max? Better than you. Is it you? You know I despise Dig Dug. This Friday, I'm going to the launch of This Place, okay. which is the book that we did with Portage and Maine. Yes. Uh, so it's... Uh, McNally? It's at McNally. Yeah. And it's 150 years. It's every decade of Canadian history looking at a different indigenous group through the eyes of the uh, colonized rather than the colonizer, like what it was like to have people show up in your area. And oh. it goes through the whole sort of history of Canada. And I did a... a a project in there with uh, about the Anuk people, and it was really wild to work on. But the reason I'm bringing this up 
it's as far as like new experiences go. I've been in anthology books a bunch of times, and it's really fun because you get all kinds of people um, sharing news, and it like sort of spreads widely, and, and that's all uh, fun. like our uh, Netflix news that we can share right after this. But um, this one I heard from some university professors recently is being there is an initiative at the U of W to get more of the classes all reading the same book so oh, that you can have sort of cross-curricular conversations among classes and classmates in years or whatever. And this collection that we're doing this place is on that list this year cool. to be one of those books that's studied more widely across history, English, uh, even sciences, you like, which is a really wild thing for comics to be thrust so strongly in the academic field. So I think Portage and Maine, uh, their imprint, High Water Press, is who's publishing it. Yeah, they're, 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 they the have a table publisher. conquest. They have done something really kind of wild and special. I have no idea how they put it together. I okay. never want to put that many <laughs> artists and writers uh, all together. Uh, Sam's done that. Sam Biko has organized anthologies, but I could never. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, that sounds great. What's the Netflix news? You can say it, Justin. We um, are going to be published in a Stranger Things anthology art book that's coming out um, October. Yeah, it'll I believe be out it in drops. October. Yeah. Yeah. Both so of in this is the same company that did the Thing art book that we were a part of, is it two years ago now? Yes. Um, the publishers found me at New York Comic Con, liked my stuff, and asked me to submit. And I said I might know somebody else who'd be down for a Thing art book as well. So Greg and I both got into that book, and... Um, it's a massive book, and it was a huge success because that was originally they. I think they only had planned to do the thing book. They didn't know exactly what they yeah, were getting into, um, and then it blew up far beyond expectations. So now they're doing a Stranger Things as well as they've got a couple others. Of other planned. properties that are not yet announced. Okay. Right? Yeah, we can't that, say the other ones. We also submitted four, but they're but up we, to four books now, and I think we're in every what, one of them. And what's cool about this, we're going to get. I, I reached out to the person who organized the whole Printed in Blood project. Uh, to be on the podcast and he said that he would come on so oh, we'll let cool. him speak a little yeah. bit about it but what's kind of to me fascinating it was like a love letter to a film that he believed didn't get the attention it deserved the thing specifically yeah. yes yeah reached out to people in genre land and it turned out we all love it too yeah. and so getting people to agree to produce work with the understanding that the work you produce you'll have the rights to resell right? so, so your image like the one that's up there um, with the thing, that right. one is yours to sell. To, as, as a convention. certain number of prints. They give yeah. you, they say, like, you can sell this many prints of that, okay. and that'll be how you'll get paid, right? Like, okay. you'll have to put it in the book. And I think he was probably like, you know, I think that's a pretty good deal if you're already on the show floor selling things because you'll have a, essentially a licensed property that you're allowed to sell. Right. But it, he was probably like, you know, you should pay artists for their work also. But to have a, you know, 400-page book, you can't, pay everyone a day rate right. and yeah. get that book out. Yeah. But the overwhelming number of people who submitted based on that model meant that he was able to go to Netflix and to Delray and to like have a major distribution model and say, listen, this is a thing. Yeah. If you allow them the license to resell only the piece they worked on, not to have claim over your IP in any way, just the piece they worked on, I bet we can get a lot of great artists to participate in this. Yeah. And man, did they ever. 
like the list on that. Oh, for sure. Well. And that's such a great series. Um, I'm wondering, was it easier for him to do that with the thing because it's such an older movie and not as as big like who owns the rights to the thing who, um, who's, what studio that's is a that? great question we can ask him yeah we'll ask him yeah. that process and I, yeah it's a, like because i know stranger things is a current series it's on tv would it always have to be a movie or tv show could it be like I, my mind goes to umbrella academy for some reason because that was another mm -hmm. netflix series but it's already a comic book so yeah. would they not do umbrella academy because it's already a comic book yeah maybe, maybe. and dark horse that have a say yeah right? yeah yeah exactly okay but i've been seeing like uh they did a tie-in novel they've done a bunch of tie-in novels for stranger things yeah yeah they've there's all kinds of stuff out. they've no. got stranger things monopoly <laughs> yeah <laughs> they've got a stranger things ouija board for some reason even though there's not really any ghosts in stranger things yeah. i don't really know what that tie-in is but hey does the ouija board is it oh i know exactly what it's designed to look like is it like, like the, the christmas the lights yeah no it's like the, the christmas lights. the christmas oh, lights with the letters yeah. that's what it is you can talk to people okay. in another dimension you can yeah, talk to people yeah. in the upside down yeah, yeah. That's pretty cool. Then it's just someone under the table. Um, they come in the box and they scurry under your table and they whisper things to you. Yeah. So do you feel like that? Okay. So while it's exciting to be like part of a big brand thing, uh, when it gets onto lunch boxes, does it lose some of what it really is? That's my question. I don't think so. I don't have so. an answer. I don't actually have a fully formed I mean, opinion on this. It, it, the whole idea behind uh, lunch boxes and all that stuff has changed a little bit since we were kids. But I would say that that is any way someone has to kind of show off their fandom for something is, is awesome. If they choose that to do that through a piece that you created, that that's also uh, awesome. So like to have a lunch box. When I was a kid, I had a Spider-Man lunch box. I had Transformers, all these kind of things. Of course, so there were the big plastic ones. Remember those big right. plastic ones with the thermos inside? Yep. So these days, they're, they're more like zipper and insulated things, but they still have a lot of licensed content out there, and kids are kids love it. They want a specific thing to go on but their lunch box. But are we programming? Okay, I'm going to get dark here now. Uh -oh. Is this just us programming them to be lifelong consumers? And if so, is that that has a negative consequences. Like I can tell you right now that our, my own kids, we try really hard not to buy branded clothes for them. Well, there's that, that's right? a different type Unless of thing. Unless they push nobody's, really hard for it. Nobody's a fan of like Gap. You no, know but, but, <laughs> but if you try to buy a shirt, just like, let's say you're on a budget and you're shopping just where right. everyone shops, um, Finding a shirt right now that doesn't have Iron Man on it for a boy is hard. Uh, yes, that's true. Hmm. But does your son love Iron Man? Well, but if they didn't, will they be programmed to know about no. Iron Man just because of the hand-me-down shirts they get? It's an interesting corporate strategy. Oh, that's a good point. I never right? thought about that because my, my kids do own... Although my oldest is almost 13 and he's kind of outgrown the... the character yeah. things he prefers something with a logo or he's get he is actually getting starting to think more about the brands of clothing now right. so dc and all those not dc comics but the dc and skate brand and repetition is endorsement like whether you yeah, believe yeah. it or not yeah. repetition is endorsement so if a kid is even if you don't care right and you're like just wear the shirt it's clean if it has luke skywalker on it that's an endorsement of that I, I entire no, thing. I have no problem with him endorsing it. Star Wars. Sure, sure. <laughs> but there are other things that are maybe not for kids, like Halo clothes. I, that's a, that's a strange one for me because Halo is such a violent game and, and uh, 
But uh, Star Wars, they chop off arms and blow up planets, and it's a pretty... It's not unviolent. Luke Skywalker is responsible for the deaths of thousands of people. This is what I'm saying. And so, do we have a responsibility... Twice. Do no, we he have didn't a responsibility um, to make certain spaces... We're on a different tangent than I expected. Oh, yeah, no kidding. Advertising free. And like, icon free. Uh, like, what space do you have to imagine things if you're constantly being presented other people's imaginative creations in the context of repetition as tacit endorsement. I don't have an answer for that. Right? We're shaping the future here. I tend not to worry about it. <laughs> is that our, that's our problem, is that we don't well, worry about it. I know, but it's not hurting anybody. I don't think it's hurting anybody. Isn't it? No. So let's, uh, let me just, let's say you grow up on a steady diet of Star Wars, because now you can be like cradle to the grave there's something Star Wars for you. Yes. The implicit themes inside Star Wars are that you must use violence to achieve your goals. I don't agree with that. Name one movie where they don't blow up or kill someone to achieve their goal. Uh, exactly. Empire Strikes Back. They no, they it's constantly. There's no time when they actually follow the words it's a war. that are being said. It's a war. It's Star Wars. Yeah, they have they have <laughs> ships that can go anywhere at light speed. They don't have to fight a war. They can go to another planet. That's true. I don't know. There's nothing to fight over. The whole universe is theirs. This is what I'm saying. Like, okay. the, I love Star Wars. Right? I love watching it. I love the rhetoric of Star Wars, but the rhetoric within Star Wars doesn't match any of the actions of the characters in Star Wars. Oh, that's a good point. Right? Interesting. And so, is that what we're doing? Like, same with the, like Infinity War and same with all the Marvel stuff. Like, yeah, it's great that they come together and they fight Thanos, but what Iron Man is actually pushing for is a fascist regime. And then at the end, as in I told you so, sorry, spoilers, he says to Steve <laughs> Rogers, like, see, if we had only had my fascist regime, this, none of this would have happened. Right, yes, right. Right? <laughs> so what, you know, like when you surround kids in all of this stuff who don't know better, who don't have, right, some critical thought related to it, are we doing them a disservice by putting Star-Lord with his guns on their shirts and on their lunchboxes? You're treading dangerously close to like the video games cause violent people well, way of so thinking, I think. I read a really interesting thing recently which like said... Just because like, they're exposed to like movies with violence, they're going to be violent. I don't well, believe that for yeah. a second. No, that's not, that's not uh, true. I don't that, totally that's... agree with it, but there is this great argument that's made that if you were an alien person watching our media, right, you could observe human behavior and you could observe the media we consume, mm -hmm. you'd have to make the assumption that... Our media is designed to show people murder, rape, and violence no, on a steady diet. Like, Hold on, let me finish. Okay. And that <laughs> when people watch enough of it, some of them, just a few of them, finally get it right and go do it. Like they finally receive the message and then follow through I don't on think so. I don't no. agree with that at this all. This is like the least violent time in like the history of mankind. <laughs> and we have more media than we've ever had. I wonder. Yeah. It's just different, a different type a different of violence. Different type of violence. It's, it's, yeah, there's right? no more mass wars where hundreds of thousands of people die. I'll trade you school shootings for fighting you in a in field trenches. with a sword any day. Yeah, yeah. Any day, right? Yeah. I will go into back into trench warfare and take the guns out of my school. At least then you're signing up for any, it. That's, 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 that's yeah. Is a, yeah. right? Yeah. Non-combat. So while it is true that like we are technically more peaceful by population quota, right? Mm-hmm. 
the non-combat deaths, the, the uh, civilian casualties are at the highest of any point in human history. People who didn't sign up to die are dying in huge numbers. Yeah. And that yeah. is, I think, where the twist goes. What if it's the Demogorgon? Oh, Jesus, we're so screwed if it's the Demogorgon. It's not the Demogorgon. So science fiction's job is to talk about the present day, not the actual future. Okay. Right? It's the metaphor. Science, is, science fiction is always a metaphor locked down on top of the present day. So given this context, what kind of trends in storytelling do you think we can expect? Grander scale, something I've been noticing, like less and less movies are thinking about just that two-hour period. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We're getting, now it's like four movies all tied together. They don't have like, and it's spread over 10 years they have a plan well right. that's the marvel marvel method it's I, the yeah. new marvel method right new marvel method yeah. yeah which i really like being able to because you know there's so many good stories that have been kind of ruined because they've had to be so condensed right but now we're in now we watch you know everybody binges netflix seasons yeah we're used to like eight hour movies now we're getting like yeah and there was this strong argument where people were saying well they're only remaking things they're not adding to it but i will i'll see you that argument which i i think is pretty strong and raise you whether you like the film or not, uh, the John Wick series. I, yeah, I'm not. I'm not up on John Wick. I've only ever right. seen the first one, but there, you yeah, know, it's, it's pretty ultra popular. violent. It's <laughs> but it, but it was a, essentially an independent film. It right? was. Yeah, the first one was very good. That created a world that people wanted more of, mm -hmm. and the questions weren't, "Hey, can we have Keanu Reeves shoot some more people in a movie? We could have that anywhere." They wanted more of this secret world that was being yeah, yeah, hinted yeah. at. I haven't seen the third one. I haven't seen just the third one. Or the, I, haven't, I don't think I've completely seen the second one yeah. even. I only I know sort of what happens in the third one because of all the Jon Snow, John Wick memes. Okay. Right? Um, it's so funny. I took my kids to see uh, Detective Pikachu last night, and in the previews they showed it was a promo for the uh, Toy Story 4, which is coming out this mm -hmm. summer. And Keanu Reeves does one of the voices. I didn't know that until I what? saw this. So Keanu Reeves is in there. And so, but they're showing the actors kind of quizzing each other in pairs. So Keanu Reeves was with somebody else, and they're like asking each other questions. What's the best road trip song? Because the movie kind of revolves around a road trip. And um, and my son leans over to me and says, "Is that the guy from John Wick?" And I'm like, "How do you know who John Wick okay. is?" So this is what I'm talking about, right? This is exactly. What but I, so I think he only knows it because of like pop culture stuff. He doesn't really know. He'd never seen that movie. Exactly, but repetition is endorsement. So it's okay to, for that kid to know about John Wick, to joke about John Wick, and when he sees John Wick, he'll be like, yeah, my dad and I laughed about John Wick. I guess it's okay that all John Wick does is murder everyone. But he only kills bad guys. He only kills bad guys. He's a bad guy. He is. Yeah, but that's, right? a, that's a very common theme these days and in when TV. Anti and when we're yeah. talking about, so you cannot ignore, I think, a, cor a correlation between the lone super shooter genre and all of the people who are shooting innocent people in the streets. Yeah, like yeah. there is a, there's not, that's not a, that's not a, a correlation to ignore. I'm I, not okay. saying like, it's, it's reaching. a, it's a scenario where there are yes. other, there are other factors involved, yeah. mental health factors. issues and that kinds of it's stuff. It's not just Marilyn Manson's fault that there's school shooters. No, no, I no. think there's other it's things. Definitely not, yeah. In fact, Marilyn Manson, uh, I would have, I'd love to have Marilyn Manson on the podcast. Oh, he'd be great. He's coming here soon. <laughs> He's an amazing, uh, public speaker. If you've ever seen him speak, yeah. not in his, like, I've seen him in concert twice for some reason. In I'm not a really fan of music. sort of thing. If okay. you want to look up some really 
nuanced conversations. Look up interviews with Marilyn Manson okay. about whether or not he's a bad influence on people. It's amazing. Yeah. He's a very well-spoken yeah, very well person. Spoken. Yeah. But yeah, I agree with what you said, Justin, about it being uh, longer-form storytelling. Um, we have a Watchmen series coming to HBO mm -hmm. soon. Uh, and it's it's actually a, a sequel to the yeah, movie. Yeah, it's like 20 years after so the event. Yeah, so. so there's stuff like there's a cult around Rorschach and, mm -hmm. and um, Osmandius is old. Jeremy Irons plays them, which I'm really excited to see. So there's yeah. all kinds of stuff. So they're not, they don't have to feel um, kind of, you know, they don't have that two hours to that tell a story. They can, yeah. they can really kind of get it out there. So When's the new good. stuff going to happen, though? I want new stories. Yeah, well, that's true. That's very true. So it, it's, uh, you know... Um, I want our stories. Maybe well, that's, that's, maybe that's, that's, that's a very valid point, <laughs> right. though. They have, you know, studios don't want to take risks. They want something that has already has a proven fan base so that there's a higher chance of it doing well. Although well, that doesn't always work. Lots of studios are taking risks, and there are like lots of weird, crazy movies coming out every day, but those yeah. aren't like the blockbuster budget movies that we're exposed to the most, so I think they kind of go a lot more unnoticed. Than right, we have to dig We deeper. focus on like Transformers because that's what's in our and face. And I guess maybe what I'm feeling is the absence of my... Uh, relationship with the actual rental movie right. establishment where right. you could go and there would be the shelf of all the blockbusters and then there'd be the shelf of all the other movies that were released. And those and were you, to the cheaper ones to rent. Too, yeah, so. <laughs> but they were often the ones of a, you know, they had more things to say. And I think... There's been some really great films in the past that have kind of been fringe. Like, you're right, John Wick was one of those where it's like independent. Like, yeah. even Donnie Darko is another one of those. Mm -hmm. like, Donnie Darko, Very, film, very yeah. uh, um, independent, kind of lesser known film. But amazing... Uh, they something, make but a something sequel? I, yeah, they did actually. Yeah, Sam, don't Sam, watch it. Sammy Darko. Don't watch it's it. about his sister or something. I've never, yeah. I've never seen it. Is Samantha. it the same actress? Samantha. It's the same girl. Yeah. But. Yeah. Jane Gyllenhaal is not in it though. I don't. Yeah. Think. No. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is no. It, I, it's it's but it's those those kinds of films that really they still exist. It's just the distribution is different, mm -hmm. and you're not going to catch people's attention as a selection on an on-demand menu. Right, like that yeah. doesn't. So that's why the, these films are kind of falling between the cracks. Some of them are hitting like Netflix, and are being Netflix uh, exclusives or whatever you call it. They they are produced, and then Netflix buys the, buys the distribution rights. But I'm finding that more often than not, Netflix movies are not great. Like they're just I don't know. There's some of them. Some of them are good. Some of them are not. And it's hard to judge which one's which by by just looking at it. I watched so. um, Perfection was a newer Netflix yep. movie that just dropped, and it's kind of a it's a bit of a horror thriller. Um, it was great. It made me, it felt like a, like, not Tales from the Crypt episode, but it was almost like it was a, a great short horror film, just like extended out. <laughs> a long um, short horror film? Yeah, a long short okay. horror film. Like it, the concept seemed like it'd be like something that you'd normally see in a TV show and they, they made a movie out of it and it was great. Huh. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Uh, pro Prospect? That was the one you told you, me you about. Right, about yeah. that a couple yeah, episodes yeah, yeah. ago. I yeah. went and tracked that down. You that saw, was, did you see the, the short? I didn't watch the short. No. I'm going to find the short. That was a film that, oh man. Is it, and that's design. a Netflix one? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. There's every now and then you see a film where you're like, oh, I wish I had thought of that. Why are you Venkman? Because I'm Venkman. No, I'm Venkman. Why can't there just be two Venkmans? Because there's only one Venkman in real life. We planned this months ago. Do you think, too, like back when in the blockbuster days, like when you would go and rent a movie and the experience of going there, getting it, coming home, and like it was, there was more of an occasion to it. And now it's so easy to just consume and forget that it's almost 
movies aren't impacting us as much anymore because they're so consumable. I also find, it's, yes, that's true. But I also find that even when I do, like I went to the library a couple couple episodes ago, I put the clips were from Time Bandits. Yes. Um, for this this podcast, and that got me really wanting to watch Time Bandits. Great film. A very, very good film. Terry um, Gilliam at its uh, like at full power. But I very think. difficult to find streaming. It's not really available anywhere streaming. I so, have the I have a copy of the script and the production notes here. Oh, in the very cool. Yeah. Uh, I ended up taking it out on Blu-ray from the library, mm-hmm. uh, the library, which is great. The library has a pretty good selection of DVDs. All you really have to do is search for what you look. Search on the website, find what you want, and then put it on hold. And a couple days later, it'll be delivered to your nearest branch, which is great. Um, but I, I, whereas I used to go to the video store and, and rent a movie, come back and watch it that night, and you get it for like a week, I think, in the, from the library. Mm-hmm. I, I've had it for like a week and a half, and I still haven't watched it. <laughs> I still can't get around to watching it, right? Just because I haven't had time, and and I just. I've already. I just it sits there on my on my, and it's already occurring late fees as we yeah. speak. So I'm. I mean, like I don't know. I'm I, also seeing an interesting trend uh, among um, some folks that VHSs are back. Really, people are oh, that's like exciting. hunting out VHS machines, and like it's like they're like a sawed a working a good working VCR is a like high item now to find that's, that's what makes and you happy. that like people are collecting crazy. old VHS tapes wow. again my dad was in the editing well he still is he does like um, weddings and grads and stuff like that and he had like a stack of VHS yeah. Machine. machines yeah. because he'd have to you know like make multiple copies of a tape right. yeah so if that's true, he's sitting on a gold mine. He's sitting on gold. Well, what's interesting <laughs> is that we, as we get more and more immaterial or ethereal, imma, I, immaterial, all of those words, all of those words apply in this case, uh, with our media, the object becomes more special. It becomes our vote for the thing we want more of. Yeah. Right. So yes, you. And when you when you know now, see, it used to be that when streaming services came out, sort of your thought was. All the movies I saw there are still there, and I can find it again later. Yeah, but, that's a, that's but they the cycle case. out. They're yeah, not they really do. there. Yeah. So if you that's really want the thing, you, you can need the pay option. more money now on Netflix to get the section that says like leaving soon. Ooh. It's like an extra like dollar still, to a month. Like One that. of the perks it is you? yeah, it tells you like what's on its way out. But I, I don't like it's when you. the way they, they use that to their advantage. For example, right around the time where it was, I think it was last year, was the tenth anniversary of The Dark Knight, mm. and I wanted to watch it because I hadn't seen it for a while, and I had it on my favorites list on Netflix. Right. And then I went to watch it, and it wasn't there anymore. Yeah. Man. And then so I, I rented it or something and I watched it, but then a couple months later, there it is back in my list on Netflix. So they actually took it off Netflix because they knew more people were willing to pay to watch it. At that time, uh, and they do that all the time. The the movie Hop. You guys ever seen Hop? No. With um, it's, it's an Easter movie. Yeah. It, it's oh a, yeah. It's okay. a, with a with a um talking bunny. You can tell which two of Russell us on the Brand have isn't kids. It? Russell Brand is yeah. in it. Yes, he does the voice of the bunny, and it's it's like to Easter what like. You know, uh, Jingle All the Way is to Christmas. Like, it's an Easter movie in the sense of, like, there's the Easter bunny, and he, they had to lure eggs everywhere. Anyway. Wasn't it terrible? It wasn't bad. No? Okay. There are, there are some good parts to it. It's not it's not horrible. It is the only Easter movie in existence, I yeah. think. Other than, you like, the Ten Commandments. Th- it's a Wonderful <laughs> Life. Can yes. we talk about this? Is like, you know, it's known as the, the Christmas movie. Yeah. Do you know why that started? Because uh, it was on TV lots yeah, at Christmas but time. There was no, the way I heard about it, and we, I mean, only the internet could reveal the truth, I suppose. Uh, there, the rights for it, it, it was a really inexpensive movie to show. 
and there right. was a lot of open slots around Christmas time. Because those shows were live, yeah. Right? yeah. So they would just slot It's a Wonderful Life in. And as a result, it's become known as this like perennial Christmas classic, but it was not ever shot. It was a bomb when it came out. It did yeah. not do well in the box office when yeah. it came out. Yeah, it's, and it is a really, it's one of my yeah. favorite films yeah. at Christmas time. But those films, like Hop, is taken off of Netflix around Easter time mm. and is back. I mean, when are you ever going to watch that other than at Easter, right? Like, that's what is, okay, is that because Hop, the people who own that, jack up the prices to keep it around Easter and Netflix maybe, is like, maybe, we're not going to, yeah, yeah. That could so very well be, right? That is, we'll buy so. it again when it goes back down in price. Because yeah. I know holiday movies do that, like Christmas movies quadruple the yeah. amount it is to have it on your TV station yeah. around Christmas. Well, and Which for the dear listener, there's a difference for TV between acquisition and licensing. Okay. So, um, you know, uh, in part of my other side of my job here, as we've been talking and learning about that kind of stuff, is, you know, if CBC wants to acquire your film, that means that you finish it, you give it to them as is, and they pay you a fee, and then they broadcast it. If they license it, it's you know it can be tripled to five times the money, but then they have a lot more creative control over that. Streaming services has created a different kind of model where there is a where there's an acquisition, and then these acquisition um, time scales mm-hmm. where the value of that acquisition, depending on the so films that are like Halloween movies, for example. The acquisition cost, exactly like you're saying, goes up around those times of the year and down after them. So if you're trying to fill your slot of Halloween programming, it costs more to rent to buy the acquisitions of those films. You don't have a say in editing them, but it costs you more to get them. Uh, whereas if you're a network that is producing that film, then you have creative control over what goes into the final cut. Interesting. All the more reason just to buy your hard, buy your hard copy media, buy your DVDs and your VHS tapes, so you never have to worry about whether or not it's on Netflix. Remember that? Oh. Unless you want to feel really guilty about single-use plastic. <laughs> Remember the trend well, it's of already like been produced. Christian blockbusters that would edit movies down so they were G-rated? I oh, want yeah, to yeah, find yeah. some of these. Oh, I want sure. some. Yeah, there's, I think there's an edit of Pulp Fiction out there where they, they say fuzzy nerf herder or something like that. They, they say No, like, that's the made-for-TV. The Oh, the Big Lebowski made-for-TV version that's right. is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. It's almost as good as the original. This has been a fun talk. We've gone all over the place. We've ranged all over. We got yeah. we got deep and shallow here on Super Pulp Science. That's right. Um, well, but I think we maybe have come up to our time limit. Yeah. Have we not? Yes, we have. This has been Super Pulp Science, where I'm glad to have Justin back in the city, uh, and we're encouraging you to avoid single-use plastics, to um, wonder about what kind of shirts you're buying for your kids to think about making something new instead of just supporting a franchise and joining the fight and making comics.